Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Renee. Hello, I'm Simon, and together we're writing a very British guide to American football. Our aim is to increase the number of fans of this exciting game with the ultimate goal of having a UK-based NFL team. Our Beginner's Guide is aimed at anyone you know who doesn't understand what all the fuss is about. Someone you would love to share your passion for the game with. It's going to be different, it's going to be quirky, and it's going to be fun. And it will be very British. Uh-oh. Does that mean it will also be stuffy, uptight, and repressed? No. And it won't be over-emotional and loud like some Americans, I know. Huh. No longer will friends and family say, I don't get it. Why do those sissies with helmets and pads keep stopping? Our guide will be full-color illustrated and cover the basics, such as rules and gameplay, but it will also discuss American football culture and differences to soccer and rugby, plus a glossary of terms and something super awesome. Yes, included will be a pull-out fun survival guide that they can take maybe to the stadium and be able to follow the game sufficiently after reading in about 10 minutes. So visit us on verybritishguide.co.uk, on Twitter at VeryBritishNFL, or Facebook by searching VeryBritishNFL. Take our survey on our website to be entered in a draw for a free copy of the book when it comes out next year. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is 5 Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Hey, what's going on, Rush Nation? Man, do we have an exciting bonus Thursday pod for you. There's only two of us, as usual. Me and the big man, Murph, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. 
tired of this week, but only one more day to go, so can't complain. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, let me introduce you to today's guest. His name is Ethan Turner, and he's pretty much everywhere that fantasy football is relevant, I would say. He's an injury analyst, a writer for Dynasty 101 HQ, friends at the Dynasty Happy Hour. And yeah, that's Ethan Turner. Ethan, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out, and I'm excited to uh, talk a little injury knowledge today. No, we're really excited. Um, you used to be on the Locked On uh, Fantasy Football 24-7 podcast, which is now uh, defunct or exist or whatever we want to call it. Um, and it's a shame because um, part of the uh, advice and the reason I really wanted to get Ethan on is I think some of the knowledge and with the injuries and, and analysis that he shared on that podcast was it probably gave me a 10% bump in my league last year. And I think in some matchups, it was crucial to me winning those matchups. So uh, Ethan's a really knowledgeable guy and he's going to share a lot of stuff today. And I, I cannot wait. This was one I wanted in the diary for a while. So I'm glad we, we got it here and now and can share with uh, listeners who I think can take good use out of it. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You know, it's weird to think that I'm helping people kind of all over the world, but uh, definitely did not. I think 10% is pretty generous. I appreciate that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, it's really a 10% uh, bump, but it's definitely an advantage, I think. So hopefully uh, the listeners will appreciate some of this, uh, this injury talk, because I know it's not really a subject that gets talked about a lot in fantasy football circles. No, it doesn't. I mean, I, I don't think it is because I had a few of those sort of 50-50 pivots and the advice you gave kind of made me make the right play that I think if without that kind of intelligence, in some instances I might have lent that way, but definitely there are some I wouldn't have. And it, you kind of gave me the bravery to go for it, which I respect. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this. I think listeners of this podcast are going to really benefit from it. Um, and it's definitely one to go back and listen to, especially at the start of the season. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, Ethan, start with the first question. How do you get into fantasy football, football in general, and more specifically injuries? Because it's, <laughs> it's a very small market to, to get into. It is a small market. But, you know, I, I started as far as just football and fantasy football. I really just started the way a lot of people start, especially here in the States. You know, watching football growing up, I'm from a small town, so football is kind of a big deal all the time, especially high school football. I just kind of fell in love with the the sport there. Um, fantasy football, I actually didn't really get into it until I was in college. Um, about five or so years ago, my dad actually called me up one night and he's like, hey, just so you know, uh, I just paid $100 to get us into a fantasy football league and you're in charge. <laughs> and I didn't have any idea. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I actually drafted during a night class, so I'm sitting in front of my computer at a night class drafting. I have no idea. It's an auction draft, so it's even worse. I didn't know how many players I was supposed to have. I ended up paying like half my budget. It was two quarterbacks, which I didn't need. It was one quarterback league. So it's kind of a mess, but then I was obsessed with it after that. I feel like once you kind of get your foot in, it kind of becomes an obsession. As far as the injuries, I really just kind of reached a point where I kind of got frustrated with how injuries were being reported by mainstream media you know a lot of times it's player x tears his acl out nine to 12 months and then you don't really hear about that player after that and i just felt like with the medical knowledge that i already had being in uh, physical therapy school i'm going to be a uh, doctor to physical therapy in six months so knowing that i had kind of that knowledge to fill in that gap i felt like i could really uh, benefit the community in that regard and kind of taking a deeper look outside of just the the time frame so that was the goal amazing 
So that's really cool. Like, it's such an interesting story. How I, I love how people tell me how they get into fantasy football. I think it's, it's a really interesting subject to hear how people got the got the bug because it's so different for everyone. It's so unique. It's like telling your first date story or your engagement story with your significant other or, you know, and many other ones on that subject we can uh, avoid because it's a family pod, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, mine's mine's really weird. I did a random baseball draft one evening, and just I had no clue about it. Drafted, and then won the league. Don't know how I managed to win the league, and then thought the next year, oh, I'll, I like NFL. Let's have a go at that. And from then on, it's just got its dirty claws into me, and I'm now way too deep in that rabbit hole. <laughs> oh yeah, and it is a rabbit hole. You you know you don't think about it that much and then once you put some money on the line you really just it changes your perspective and now you're checking things every week and then you're getting the updates and all that it's just i don't know i think it's i think it's a great uh hobby sport i don't know what you'd call it uh game to play i guess game about a game but i enjoy fantasy football it's it's i love the strategy of it and just the just the general all the ways you can win i guess is just the most fun part for me yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, I had the same when I started playing when I was um, 14, nearly 15. I just moved to Orlando, Florida. Didn't really know anyone. And one of the guys in class said, hey, do you want to play? And I knew absolutely nothing about the NFL. I was like, I don't even know the rules. Um, and he said, I just really need a player. Like, if you can come in, that'd be awesome. And uh, I think he came second that year. Um, I learned really quickly. I just you know, made the wrong decisions, but kind of owned the wire and uh, it kind of paved over the cracks and then got found out the next year when I finished last. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever come last in the league as well. And I've vowed never to do it again from that date. So uh, I'm glad I can honor that. So just doing that a little bit more about you, um, our listeners, I really like to understand who teams support. There's a lot of listeners that we have that are trying to get into the NFL and, and trying to sort of get a team. So uh, why don't you tell us who, who you follow, how you come to follow them and, and maybe make a little case as to why some of our listeners should should follow that team. Yeah, so I'm actually a Steelers fan. Um, I don't live anywhere near Pittsburgh or anything like that. But as far as to why that is, you know, really, I think it, I, I was thinking about this question uh, when I saw it on the show sheet, and I really didn't, I didn't have a great answer as to why I'm a Steelers fan. But I think when I look back in time, Super Bowl 43, 2009, I'm a freshman in high school, and I wasn't. I really wasn't watching a lot of NFL, but I obviously everyone watches the Super Bowl. I feel like in, in the United States, it's kind of a, a cultural thing now. But the Steelers, they come back. Larry Fitzgerald shreds them for a 64-yard touchdown. They've got two minutes, 37 seconds left. They're driving down. They actually win on that Santonio Holmes end zone catch where he's just like kind of right in the back of the end zone. He's got two feet in. He's leaning out. He catches it. And I think, honestly, when I look back, that was the first real like sports moment that impacted me as a person like I really remember like there's only a few everyone has their like sports moment that they remember because they saw it live or whatever but that was really the first one for me and then ever since I've just been just identified myself as a Steelers fan because I don't really have a team and might as well like the team that's winning yeah of course that's awesome I've been listening to so of that season CBS have done um, a look back to that season it's called the season it's available on podcast networks. They're not paying us for a plug, by the way, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, so it's been Brian McFadden's hosted in, and he, every week they kind of run it alongside the regular season week by week. So I think it started in week nine or ten, and every they kind of did a recap of the first 
chunk of the season and every week they've been focusing on each game it's really fascinating like they've had Dick LeBeau on there they've had um, some major major players on there I think Ryan Grant was on it last week and um, they're just breaking it down when it's been the bye week they've sort of got people together answer questions it's, it's really cool um, I don't know if you've been listening no uh, I'm so busy right now <laughs> I listen to I mean I listen to you guys' podcasts I listen to quite a few podcasts just from a football perspective but uh, right now I'm working full time kind of as a clinical before I get ready for my big licensure exam uh, to get my actual doctorate. So I'm a pretty busy dude. <laughs> it's, Makes sense. I don't have a lot of time to uh, to do a bunch of other things, but it's all good. As long as I'm talking about football, I feel like I'm, I've got plenty of time, right? <laughs> That's awesome. So why don't you share some insights that you found from the 20, uh, 2018 season, even from an injury perspective or just in, in general that uh, you think it's sort of useful for learning points? Yeah, so I think the really the big thing for me is I I really recognized how important running back was going to be this year. You know, you have the the big names, obviously your Barclays, your your Gurleys, and I was that high on Barkley to start, but you really have to have a running back to win in fantasy this season. Or really, any season going forward, you have to have one of the studs. And a lot of the leagues that I had a lot of success in. I started running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. And the tight end was almost always Zach Ertz because he was the last of kind of the big three guys that was there. And I, I just you recognize early on you have to have a running back and the competitive advantage of having one of the top three tight ends is just so much greater than a wide receiver three or a running back two. I mean, there is such an advantage to having one of those studs, stud tight ends that to me, I, I just had to go tight end early. And I don't think a lot of people, you know, it's easy to punt a position, but when the competitive advantage is there, you have to take it. And I was, I was pretty big on just knowing which wide receivers were of value in which rounds. You know, I, I had a lot of Devonta Adams. I had a lot of Mike Evans, who I feel like people were kind of down on despite him still producing at a high level. Yeah. And I was, I was high on Adam Thielen. I just, I just felt like in the third, fourth round, he was a wide receiver one why aren't you taking that guy there? So really just that running back first and then fill out and get a stud tight end. And that I think from, for this season is the thing that worked the most for most people. Yeah, for sure. So, so um, have you listened to our great tight end debate? episode? I have, I have, I actually really enjoyed that episode and I, I, I wrote an article for dynasty One Hundred and One talking about the tight end injuries this season, kind of as a review. And I, I thought that that was it was a good show to really highlight whether or not you should take a tight end. But also I think you have to consider how many guys got hurt. I mean, we're talking 10 plus quality tight ends that missed some or most of the season. So it was, it's a good debate. And I think that tight end is going to be a little overvalued, which is why I'm kind of going, I'll probably fade away from that this season coming up. But I think I don't think from a competitive standpoint you're going to be wrong for taking a tight end early. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a big it's a, a big point of contention on five yard rush, and I imagine it will go all the way until the very first game of next season proper. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. I, like I said, I'm not I'm not anti taking a tight end in the in the third round. Um, if you're taking it before that, I don't I don't see the value. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think anyone can convince me now. I've, I've seen too much data to see that. I just don't think it's enough of a significant advantage to where you're sacrificing a 
I still think, as Ethan was saying, you can get very good wide receiver one, maybe even low, you know, low or upside RB two that could slide him in an RB one number there. And I think that's the the contention. But we don't need to start our tight end debate two today. <laughs> we, can, we can focus that perhaps when we know a lot more. Um, I'm just telling you now, if if I can get Noah fan in, depending on his landing spot, that's the big key. But I'd be quite happy to take him as my rookie tight end and line him up because I think he's going to be an absolute stud. So, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later down the line. <laughs> Everybody's here to talk about fantasy. So, Ethan, how did your 2018 season go? You mentioned you were in a few leagues. How many leagues were you in? That sort of thing. I was in five leagues. Uh, I did three three redraft, two dynasty leagues. I really enjoy the dynasty aspect of it, but you know, you got your home league. They're never going to go to a dynasty. So, uh, as far as the formats, I kind of mix it up. I like to try different things. So, you know, my personal favorites are dynasty, superflex, full PPR. Um, I play in all types of leagues. I play in a standard league that's like my original home league, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that. For me, though, it's it's nice to try something new every year um, and kind of figure it out. Because if you've never played in a Superflex League, you don't really understand how different it can be and how your drafting strategies change and all these other things. So, And it may be something where you don't know that you like it until you try it. So I would say for me, my leagues did okay. Um, I made four semifinals out of the five leagues that I was in. Um, the one I didn't make was a dynasty team that I'm kind of rebuilding on the fly. So uh, it was successful, no championships. So it, I would say that that was the only downside, but it happens, you know, you, you can only build a good team. And if you get beat one week, you get beat one week. That's just Tell how it goes. I know. I feel that pain, but we won't go into that. Cause I'll start crying on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you think is likely to change fantasy wise between 2018 and 2019? You know, that's a good question. I would say that the running backs are still going to be important. I think quarterback is becoming less and less important with all the rookies that came in this year. You know, we have five starters that are all fantasy relevant for the most part. Maybe you could debate Josh Rosen, but I think his team is going to get better. And I think that you're going to keep fading quarterback and you're going to you're going to see that value at running back continue to go push up higher and higher to where you may have to start two running backs to make sure that you kind of lock in that position. But outside of that, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of changes. I think you're still going to have a lot of tight ends that you can find value in later in the draft and piece it together, or you can you can just grab your stud early on and start him. Uh, but as far as like overarching themes, I would say that's pretty much it. Nice. No, I think that's good. So moving on to more your sort of specialty piece and why we've got you on here is, um, you know, we, we've talked about injuries and. I really want to deep dive this because I think what you do is you, like you kind of have said, you report it in a different way. You got frustrated with the, with the media about how it was covered. So I want to drill in a little bit into injuries, how you report them, how you can kind of give us the realistic view as opposed to the optimist or pessimistic view. So what, why did you decide to start writing about this other than those frustrations? I mean, what, what was the real interest from injuries outside of sort of your studies? And how did you even get down that road into, into studying for, for injuries and, and the medical profession you're heading into? I would say that I've, I wouldn't say I'm really fascinated that much about the injury themselves. You know, I, the injury is what it is. You can't really control what happens when a guy gets hurt, but 
what I am interested in is how does that player go from hurt back to the field? That time frame from the initial injury to when they come back, that recovery story is very fascinating to me. You know, why is it that a guy like Adrian Peterson can tear his ACL and be back at 100% in nine months and then you see another guy with an ACL tear never get back. What what does he do differently? And I think that that story is really what um, interests me. And I think that that story is the more important part when you're covering injuries. It's not about the injury itself. The injury is what it is. You can't control it. And I can tell you all day, hey, you know, anybody can report on an injury and say what it is. But how that injury impacts fantasy is more important to me. So it's, it's kind of a, and I saw that as from an, an outside perspective on the industry, I saw that as a gap. I saw there are a lot of people, even medical professionals that are really good at telling you what's wrong. And there are a lot of fantasy people trying to interpret it, but they don't have the injury knowledge to kind of bridge the gap between the two. So I think that's really where my interest lies and kind of why I got into it. Cause I wanted to fill that knowledge gap between knowing a lot about the fantasy industry and how it impacts fantasy and knowing a lot about the injury stuff as well. I always say I'm a fantasy a fantasy injury analyst because I'm not just an injury analyst. Anybody can talk about injuries that has a medical profession. It's more about how it applies to fantasy. So it's more of that in-between range. No, for cool. sure. I, I think it's, it's definitely – the part because I know you've got these people on Twitter that can diagnose injuries as and when they happen on the field, even medical professionals who will say, Oh, that, that probably looks like a, an ACL. Um, and I think you're right. You know, an ACL to Adrian Peterson is, is completely different to an ACL injury to somebody else with the recovery time and how they can get it work. I mean, uh, stocks, you can kind of talk about this in a bit more detail now, I feel, because I think it's a good, good segue into it. Yeah. So, in 2012, I had a motorbike crash and I, I had a grade three tear on my ACL, uh, PCL and MCL at the same time and had uh, full hamstring reconstruction for grafts. And it took me five months to even take a step, even in physio and stuff, it took me five months to even take a step out of my crutches and then a month more physio to get walking properly. And then even when I, the doctor said to me, can you run? And I said, well, I've literally just come off my crutches, so I don't know. And he said, well, have a run down the corridor and let's see what you've got sort of thing. And I then ran off down the corridor and he said to me, well, I didn't think you'd ever get to that point. So it's interesting ACL-wise for me, like you say, Adrian Peterson and then other players that never come back. And it took me so long just to even take a step. So I find it very fascinating on that side of the ball. Yeah, and that's where, I, that's where I'm interested a lot into – why is it why is it that these is it genetics is it what what is it that makes these guys able to do what they do as quickly as they do because like you said for a normal person an injury like this you know an injury like an acl can be you know for a high school athlete that's that can ends most careers you know they're never back to where they were before and then you have these professional guys that can take it uh, all the way back in in half the time that it normally takes a normal person. I think that's just that's just a fascinating case study, I guess, for me to see what an elite athlete can do um, with unlimited resources and how the body can recover that way if you have all of those things. Um, but I'm sorry that happened to you, man. That kind of sucks. Oh, well, one of <laughs> those things. terrible. <laughs> yeah, but I think it made me made 
the time it took me to get past it and stuff made me a better, stronger person. So I don't, you know, one of those things that's made me better on the outside of it, really. But I just, I can't, I want to know the difference between the rehab they do and the rehab I had on the NHS. I mean, I got it all for free. And there were some weeks where I had three training sessions. There were some weeks where I had seven physio sessions, just depending on what I had booked in. But it's obviously nowhere near the same type of technological advancements that they can get their hands on. Yeah, I mean, the big difference between the two, and I know this is probably getting into something that we were planning on talking about later, but unlimited resources, you know, financially, uh, technologically, professionally, you know, they don't have, it's, they don't play on the same playing field as you and I, a normal person, you know, they get the best surgeon doing their surgery, they have unlimited financial resources that they can put into all of these treatments that wouldn't even be on the table for you or I, they have basically they're already genetically at least somewhat superior to us because they're the 1% of the 1% of athletes. So their body heals faster. Their body is stronger. Their, their pre-injury condition is just like way above where you and I will ever be. Um, no offense. I mean, maybe no, you're a great no, athlete, like- but I'm not, but I'm just saying to me, it's, even even great athletes aren't great athletes compared to NFL players. So when you have unlimited resources and you have the best of everything in terms of recovery, it's not surprising that they get better faster and are able to get back to that level. But the rehab itself is very intense, way more intense than you and I can handle. And they're already predisposed to have better outcomes. So it's, 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 and that's where I get frustrated with fantasy, you know, people from outside that don't understand the recovery and what it takes to get back to that level that have never had a major injury where they see this and they think, Oh, why is it that you can't come, you know, why can't you just play on a, a you know, a hamstring strain? Why, why can't this guy play with an injured ankle? I, when I was in high school basketball, I played on a, a, an injured ankle all the time. So it's just a different level that they have to get to. And, and that's where I get frustrated because it's like, you do, if you've never had it, you don't understand the, the difficulty of coming back from something like that. Yeah, no, for sure. Interesting. Well, I should probably do more research on that. But now we know you personally, I can just hit you up and say, yeah, we Shoot can me work. a message, man. <laughs> As always. So how do you, you go about reading between the lines of an injury report to try and determine the differences between, say, Matt Rieder, who was pretty much questionable every week and then Leonard Fournette who was he's in the same boat but missed almost every week it is very challenging (laughs) the NFL is can get real tricky with their injury reports there's no competitive advantage for them to be 100% forthcoming with whatever's going on with these guys Um, the way that I personally look at it is you look at is the guy the things that they have to be honest about so is the guy practicing if he's practicing, is he practicing in full? Or is he practicing limited? So basically, anytime a guy can't go 100%, they have to designate him as limited. If he's not practicing at all, that's usually a pretty bad sign. That means that his recovery is preventing him from going even partially in a practice. So in Brita's case, he was almost always listed as limited in practice, which means he's getting some practice reps in. He's feeling okay enough to get onto the field and they're not afraid that he's going to hurt himself further Fournette, Monday or Tuesday, they'd say he's out this week. He's not practicing at all. He's rehabbing. And to me that says, okay, this injury is more severe 
than whatever breed is dealing with because it's just the time frame they're not practicing. So um, that's really how you you have to look at what they have to tell you, and that's the big that's the big thing. Nice. That's um, it, I think that's really the difficult thing, isn't it? And it kind of leads into it's kind of two separate questions, but I'm going to merge it into one. So. Are there any teams, coaches, general managers, for example, that have a tendency to be more restrictive with the injury information? So obviously they have to be honest in some regards in terms of he's turned up for practice, he's practiced. And limited reps, by the way, is just anything other than full reps. So yeah. it could be limited, but he could be pulled out for the last rep or the first rep and it's counted as limited. So, you know, are there people that kind of do that where, you're curious because they're not providing a lot more information other than the need to know. And inversely, is there teams and organizations out there that perhaps provide really good information so that you know that when they give it out there, you're like, okay, I know now that this person unlikely or is going to play because of the information that they give. As far as the teams that are harder, uh, and this is cliche, but the Patriots and Bill Belichick is an absolute, he is a pain and he's a master at hiding injuries as well. Um, and, and that's the cliche answer, but that's the honest to God truth. Just from watching, he just, he manipulates the system as well as anybody and guys in his coaching tree, um, you know, the Bill O'Brien with the Texans and Matt Patricia with the Lions they keep their injury stuff pretty close because again, it's not their fault. They're just trying to get the competitive advantage and I don't blame them there. As far as being transparent, the majority of teams, they have to be transparent about certain things and you just have to, you just have to pay attention to those things that they have to be transparent about. You can't trust any coach speak, player speak. Anytime they say, Oh, you know, he's doing pretty well with whatever. You just don't trust those things. If they come out and the coach says he's not playing, Boom. There you go. There you go. That's they're telling the truth with that. But outside of that, nobody is 100 percent in the NFL. They're not. There's no advantage to it. OK, it's curious. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up with the Patriots because I just find the information and now you've got Brian Flores potentially going to the Dolphins, um, although it's not done yet. Um, that that's going to be the key because that's another one, another team where you're potentially going to get the most minimal of information. And, you know, I, I kind of get it. You know, I, one of my sports is, is the Premier League and um, I love, I love soccer and you don't really have injury reports per se. It's just the manager press conference saying this person's injured. Oh, okay. What injury have they got? The back problem or hamstring. And, oh, what's the timeline for them coming back? two to four weeks and then you'll see the person line up in the next game or you'll see them not come back for the season and if there's no if there's no injury report per se so it's very frustrating mm-hmm. that you can have a player who you think is out for three weeks and all of a sudden you don't see him for like 18 months because of rehab and things like that and you don't get that kind of honesty um at least with the nfl they've reported they have to do something to the reports which i, I do like so just sort of the last piece on this when it came to the 2018 season, who were the absolute worst players from your perspective to report, um, either due to the difficult nature of their injury and it was just impossible to give a time frame of whether they'd be going to be playing or not, through to people being on the reports weekly, just anything like that. Who were the real headaches that when you were doing uh, the Fantasy Football 24-7 podcast, you were like having the talk about thinking, I just... I don't want to be talking about this. Or this is just an impossible situation to talk about. 
Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook were the two that gave me the most trouble. I was, you know, I, I keep track of all of the in and outs that I do with injuries. Wednesday nights were when we were would, would record our Thursday night show. I'd have one, the first injury report comes out on Wednesdays. So by Wednesday night, 90% of the time I could correctly indicate if a player was going to play on Sunday or not. So I was pretty proud of that number, but soft tissue injuries are so hard to decide because with a hamstring strain specifically, the greatest chance of re-injury is when they first come back. So even if they come back, you're still concerned that there's going to be an issue. And then you can't be 100% certain that they're fully healed until they come back. So from a rehab perspective, yeah, you might think they're good to go, but as soon as they take that first, you know, first line off the scrimmage and they're they're running full speed, boom, it pops again and then they're 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 dealing with it and they're out for the rest of the game. So I would say that anytime you see a soft tissue, strains and sprains are just they're not what you want to see from just a reporting perspective because it changes weekly and there's no real way to know until you test it. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm not so bothered about Dalvin Cook because uh, you've probably heard it on the pod. I've said it a few times. He's just not a player I'd ever consider drafting because I just don't think he plays enough games and until he plays consistently. And Leonard Fournette probably falls into the, the same sort of category, though he has probably played a few more games. I think um, just, I'm just really curious on this, on this point. Why is it that those two guys in particular, and I appreciate this is a, a really difficult question, tend to not be fit to play 16 games and have struggled with that that fitness to you know only turn up for 50% of the games they've been a professional or whatever the, the number is it's somewhere around that number I think that you have to look at the injuries that they've had previously so the the past injury is the biggest indicator of future industry injury, injury that we have so if you everyone that knows that's played sports, if you have an ankle sprain, you're more likely to get an ankle sprain again. So with Leonard Fournette specifically, he has a long history of ankle sprain issues. And those issues predispose him to further injury every season. And they also predispose him to other injuries in his lower extremities, so in his legs. So when you have a history of things that increase your risk up for future injury, you're more likely to go, that person has a way higher risk of, of getting injured again and again and again and again. The same thing with Dalvin Cook, a lot of his injuries are strains and sprains, which are the two things that I would say are the most likely to be re-injured. They put them at the biggest risk for future injuries. So if you're predicting who's going to play, who's not going to play, when you see a bunch of hamstring sprains in their history, you go, oh gosh, this guy's already predisposed to one in the future. So I think that those two guys specifically, their histories indicate that they're going to deal with these, this issue for the rest of their career. And it's really how risk averse are you? Do you, you know, is the reward of having a top 12 running back worth the risk that you're not going to get them for 16 games? It's the same issue with like a Jordan Reed. Is the reward of having a top 12 tight end worth knowing that you're probably only get eight, eight games out of him? And some owners say, I'm going to hope that this is the year he has 15 games and, you know, he's good to go. And some owners like me personally, I'm just like, I would rather not deal with that because I want consistency week to week. So I think it's really just past injury predicting future injury. Nice. 
So moving on to draft strategy using injury insights and fantasy football, Ethan, how do you look at previous injuries when making your draft rankings? I almost always stay away from players that the year before have a pretty major injury. You know, anything that keeps a player out more than four or five months, the season before usually takes that player off of my personal board. I look at a guy like Carson Wentz. He's being drafted as the QB5 before this season. And despite rupturing his ACL and LCL in December the year before, you know, he was, there was no way, one, he probably isn't coming back to the year. He's probably not starting to, at the beginning of the year, which he didn't. He ended up missing two games to start the year. So right there, you're probably taking him out of top 12 contention. But then you're thinking, okay, whenever he does come back and getting a top 12 quarterback and that's not really how these things work typically when you have a major injury like an ACL term your production takes about 12 months to get back to where it was before so he's not 100% until December uh, which just to me his where he was being drafted was not taking that into account the fact that he wasn't going to produce the way that they expected him to but outside of those major injury guys Really, anybody that misses multiple games for multiple seasons, usually coming off my board until they can prove that they can stay healthy for a full year. So we talked a little bit about Jordan Reed. He's a guy that I just can't trust him to play 16 games. And for me, I'm not going to waste a roster spot on a guy I'm only going to have for half the year because no matter where you're drafting him at, there's probably somebody of similar value that's going to play 16 games or 15 games or 14 games. So... If it's a guy that has a history of injuries or a guy that's coming off a major surgery, I'm usually out on them pre-drafting. They're just not going to make it onto my team. So with with that being said, would Dalvin Cook be one of those players next year that you don't want anything to do with? It depends on where he's at and depends on how I'm drafting, but usually no, probably not. Not until I see it. Um, It's not not a knock on him as a player. I think he's a super talented guy, but – for me, the way I like to play fantasy is I like to be as consistent as possible week to week, and I like my studs, the guys that I'm taking in the top four rounds, I want them playing 16 games. So if my options are Dalvin Cook or like a Nick Chubb, I expect Nick Chubb to play 16 games. I'm more likely to take him, even if the production might be on a per-game basis maybe less and his upside may not be as good. I would rather have locked in that RB1, RB2 for the majority of the season and of course there's no way to predict it for sure but it's more about just mitigating that risk so what you're saying is i should trade dalvin cook for nick chubb (laughs) i think that it's your decision to do you run your own fantasy team i personally love nick chubb so i think nick chubb's pretty good but i wouldn't blame anyone for keeping dalvin cook over him right now just from a he, he doesn't have duke johnson taking away any touches from him so that's my, that's my thing on Cook versus uh, Chubb. Friend and co-host, I'm telling you now, if someone offers you Nick Chubb for Dalvin Cook, drive over there yourself, hand over the check, do the trade, do it instantly, don't even think about it. You know, Nick Chubb is a stud. And that Kitchens offense, yeah, I'd buy any share I can get of him. If you can trade Dalvin Cook for him or Fournette or even Joe Mixon, I'm doing it all day long because I don't like those injury records. Although Mixon had a pretty good year and was more consistent with his uh, with the games he played over the previous year, for me it's just an absolute no-brainer. But 
you don't know, I guess. It's, it's, it's even says it's your decision. Um, I'm keen to look at pre-season. So um, I know this season hasn't quite finished yet. We haven't got many games left, i.e. one. But um, when it comes to thinking about the pre-season and these guys rehabbing, what are the sort of things you're looking at in terms of making that decision if they make it onto a, a significant portion of your draft board or not? For me, I think it's the, the big thing is, are they healthy enough to practice? Are they getting reps in with the first team? Are they getting reps in at all? The preseason is just really important for these guys to kind of build up that chemistry. And missing time in the preseason is worth noting because they don't have, week-wise, they don't have a ton of time practice-wise to build that rapport. So it's a violent game. So if a guy is coming into the season and he's already banged up, the likelihood that he's going to have time, just the time to fully heal before he has to go back out there and get, you know, into a train wreck every, uh, every other play. But there's just not enough time. They're already predisposed to having a bad season. I think of like Doug Baldwin this season. A lot of hype this offseason. Everyone's expecting big things from Doug Baldwin. He's going to be a target hog, all of these things. He gets hurt in the preseason, and everyone's like, okay, well, he's still – you know, a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick because he's got all this hype. But the majority of the season, he disappoints you because he never got healthy. He never had the time that he needed to get to 100%, which is where he's worth that third or fourth round pick. So if you have a guy like that, you just you just say, you know what, if you're not healthy in the preseason, you're not worth drafting for me because it's just not worth it. It's not worth the risk. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. A lesson I really learned this year um, with, with the Buccaneers is everyone was writing off Vita Vea for being a bust. They took him at 12. They didn't take Derwin James. Everyone was like, this player's a bust. He got injured in training camp. And he came back against, I think it was the Falcons um, in week six. And he didn't look great. And everyone was like, this guy's a bust. Why they've taken him? But the guy missed training camp. And when it got to the last four weeks of the season, he looked like a number one pick. He just had to take that time as almost his preseason. And I think one of the things I've really learned is that if a rookie gets injured in the off season in fantasy for fantasy football wise, he's done. He's done for me for that season. I'm not saying I'd write him off moving forward. If it's dynasty, I'm thinking a bit differently, but I think at any point, even if it's just an injury that's gonna cut two weeks of their training camp or their pre or their preseason, I think that's enough to really derail their development moving forward keen on your thoughts on that no I agree I think it's even the preseason is even more important for those rookies and and you mentioned Veo which is a great example but I would go to a guy like Sony Michelle um, again has a knee injury at the beginning of the year battles it all year he's dealing with different things and when he's on the field and healthy it looks like a million bucks but how often is that going to be and how often are you going to be able to trust him in fantasy you look at a guy um, on the opposite end of the country, and you look at Rashad Penny, same deal. He tears his thumb up, um, thumb or finger. I can't remember exactly which one. I think he had a finger fracture, misses the majority of the preseason, and he can't get the rapport and the time built back up to overtake a Chris Carson, who he may be more talented than. But if you don't have time to show what you've got in that preseason, you just can't trust these guys to get the reps that they need. And teams aren't going to push these rookies because they expect them to play for five, ten years. They're not going to push them their rookie season to the point where they're just a broken down record the first day. So I think that your your point on avoiding injuries specifically to rookies in the preseason, I would agree with that. So 
if that's you know, I know it's real early and <laughs> drafts the NFL draft hasn't happened, let alone fantasy drafts, but some of the players this year that were are coming back from injuries that should be cautionary next year's draft. Anybody that you're not looking to take next year? Yeah, so I have a few. So torn Achilles is one of those injuries that I don't uh, it's it's a death sentence for me. I don't I don't want him on my team. I don't want him on my dynasty team. So Manuel Sanders and Des Bryant, I'm sorry, but you're out. You're not gonna they're most likely they're not even gonna play in the fantasy season of next year. So they're not gonna be on my rosters. In season ACL tears that happen after like week four, uh, I'm out on. So your Cooper Cups, Will Fuller, Jai, nope, I don't want anything to do with them. They're not gonna be at that twelve month threshold for an ACL tear. And then major ankle injuries, again, you've got Tyler Eifert, Delaney Walker, Alex Smith, all very similar injuries, all guys that I will be absolutely not taking in NFL fantasy drafts just because it's just you can't trust them coming off a major surgery. You don't know what they're going to be like. You don't know what the explosion is going to be like there. And then one last guy who wasn't injured necessarily, but I'm staying away from is Cam Newton. You know, he had a, a shoulder injury that he played out this season with until basically the end of the year and I think he's heading for off-season surgery and who knows what they're going to find once they actually get in there this has a very Andrew Luck feel to me where he seems like he played hurt all year and I don't know what that surgery and recovery is going to look like this off-season if he does end up having it so I'm staying away from pretty much all those guys okay I, I agree I think they're all interesting cases um completely but let's flip the flip it on its head almost and look at players that ended their seasons on IR, um, but you would have absolutely little to no concern with drafting them in the higher rounds of a draft. Yeah. So kind of opposite of what I said earlier, the, the preseason ACL tears are guys that I look to kind of target because I think you're going to get a discount on what them and what they could be. So Jimmy Garoppolo, I know is week three, but basically, you know, before the, the year really got started, Darius Geis, Hunter Henry, these guys are guys that are going to be almost at that 12 months by the preseason. They're probably going to get a full preseason in. And even with Geis with the infection thing, that's not really something that concerns me. He's already back running and looks pretty good in his rehab. Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green are two guys that I'm not sure if they ever went to the actual IR. I know Green did, but I expect them both to come back pretty pretty well. MCL injury for, for Boyd is not a concern for me. The MCL can heal itself pretty well. It's got good blood supply, so I'm not worried about him coming back. Um, I guess you could be concerned just because their team sucks, but outside of that, um, on Johnson is a guy I have a lot of concerns with. Coming into the year from a talent perspective this season, but I think that he pretty much blew me under the bus. It was definitely a miss. Uh, I think he's going to come back strong next season. His teammate Marvin Jones is another guy that I think is going to be undervalued coming into the offseason as probably the wide receiver one. I know everyone loves Kenny Galladay, but Marvin Jones is a pretty good wide receiver in himself. And the last guy here that I want to talk about is O.J. Howard. And I'm a huge fan of O.J. Howard. He finished actually as a top 12 tight end in standard leagues, only played 10 games. So I think that just tells you what kind of talent he can be if he stays healthy everyone's going to be looking for those tight ends super early. And I think if you pivot to OJ Howard after the sixth round, you're going to be pretty happy with that decision. And everyone's going to talk about this Bruce Arian stuff. Uh, talent will win out at the end of the day. I think that Winston likes to use his tight ends. And I think that OJ Howard is going to, going to have a pretty good year as soon as they can, uh, if they realize that he's way better than Cameron Bray. 
I think I think there's no secret that he is. Um, it's just whether or not the, the system allows for it. But um, I think they'll keep Prate around. I would personally look to shift him. It's a lot of money he's on this year. Seven yeah. million bucks he's going to get. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens there. But getting on to then sort of the final question. So we talked a little bit about rookies who get injured in in preseason and therefore want to avoid. How about, are there any rookies coming in and appreciate the draft hasn't happened yet and this is a really super early look, but any rookies that are declared for the draft who could go high, especially from a fantasy perspective, who due to their injury history, you're just like, no, nah, I, I wouldn't have any shares of them regardless of where they land. Yeah, I would say that I don't think I think it's too early to say that I would absolutely be out on these guys. But two guys that are going to get a lot of injury buzz this offseason. One of them is Rodney Anderson, who's a running back. He had a broken leg in 2015, a vertebrae fracture in his neck in 2016. And what is believed to be an ACL tear last season. College is a little bit different than the NFL. They don't exactly tell you what's going on with these guys, but I'm pretty sure it was an ACL tear. So he's coming off that going into the NFL draft. He's probably talented enough to be the number one running back, but three straight seasons basically of an, of injuries have pretty much derailed his college career. So he's going to be a guy that I would, I would be looking at, making sure I'm at least aware of those things. The other guy is DK Metcalf, who is a wide receiver out of Ole Miss. I mean, he's a freak. He's a legit wide receiver one athletically 6'4 225 but he's had an issue with injuries a broken foot cut his true freshman season short by two games you know he only had two games uh done in his true freshman season he missed the back half of this year with an undisclosed neck injury that he actually had surgery on never liked to see neck injuries so Metcalf has all the tools and the potential is definitely there for him to be a legit wide receiver but he couldn't put together uh he only put together one real good season in college. So I would say that he's another guy that I would be concerned. And if, if you're worried about the injuries for the rookies, I actually do injury assessments for every single player that is drafted in the NFL draft for Dynasty 101 in their rookie guide. So I think it's like eight or 10 bucks this year. Um, and that'll have an assessment of, on every single one of these guys last year. I correctly assessed, um, I think, over 70% of the people that ended up missing a game this season with those. So that's definitely worth the investment if you're interested in the rookies uh, this season. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ethan, I could sit here and talk injuries and stuff <laughs> all day, but I just don't have that luxury. <laughs> but it's been so good for you coming on and helping us and the listeners and learn a little bit more about injuries and stuff because I think it could potentially start to play an even bigger part of fantasy football going on in the future. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me come on. Of course, you can find all my stuff, um, dynasty101.com. And then I, I should have an article dropping before this uh, podcast actually drops on Thursday talking about how to buy players that are injured in Dynasty and kind of a step-by-step guide how I go through the process of looking at a player and whether or not I want to invest in him in the off season. So that'll be dropping on Dynasty Happy Hour. That'll be my first article over there. So right now that's kind of what I do. Um, you can always find me on Twitter at Turner FF underscore PT. Um, I, I like to say that I'm your own personal injury injury analyst. You can you can shoot me a message, anything. I'm open to anything, helping any, any listeners out. Doesn't matter, big or small. You know, uh, to me, it's all about getting the information out there. 
and and I second that. Ethan was really helpful, and he's very quick at responding on Twitter. Um, there is time zones, so British listeners, you know, if you do, if you do early morning, you know, there might be a few hours gap. But he does get back to people. He, he shares a lot of really great content on Twitter. He's a great follow, um, and really good guy just to converse with, even in, in DMs. So uh, definitely do hit him up on Twitter and use that resource because it it definitely won me one league, and I reckon it severely contributed in a, in the second league. So I would definitely be hitting him up because it's the best resource you're going to get uh, on Twitter regarding injuries, in in my opinion. But uh, this has been a lot of fun. We need to get you back on um, maybe post-draft. We can look at some of those picks and see where they are. And, and then in the regular season, for sure, we'll work out how you can get some uh, injury content over in the pod. We'll work that out in the summer. Absolutely. Thanks again, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. No yeah. worries. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, appreciate it. It's been fun. So, Rush Nation, Murph, I'll see you Tuesday. But everybody else, don't forget, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.